Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Joe, we are quite possibly live. <laughs> quite possibly, maybe July 17th, the edition of the Holy Smokes podcast with yours truly, Joe Ferraro, alongside, as always, managing editor of Fightful. We are live! We are live! It's confirmed! Twitter, Periscope, YouTube! I told you last week, I, you know, I'm trying to dress better for the shows, but I'm in my Moorhead State University t-shirt now because I was trying to get this to work. We're live, Periscope! We're live, YouTube! As I was saying, managing editor of Fightful, wrestling, uh, production, online distribution, digital, Sean Rossap. Make sure you give a follow at Sean Rossap. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe. Uh, as you guys know, uh, lots to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts, but there's nothing better on this podcast. And some people laugh at me when I do it via social media, but there's nothing better on this podcast that when Sean Rossap absolutely loses his marbles, whether it's something a referee did, a judge did, a fighter did, a fighter didn't do, uh, or just the fact that all mediums are live. That's all that matters. And if Sean can be happy and he loses his marbles, I'm happy. But there's a lot to discuss in the show. The UFC Boise event went down. Uh, interesting results. Interesting judging. Um, lots to discuss here. We'll get to that in a moment. We're going we're gonna to recap Bellator 202 and 203, or Bellator Rome, if you like. We're going to preview UFC Hamburg. Really good main event going on there. It's some really good fights as well. Uh, as always, pros picks. They'll give us their thoughts. Uh, we're actually going to be joined by Anthony Smith. It'll be interesting uh, to hear what he has to say. Brock Lesnar, as you all know, uh, since he entered the cage after DC became a two-time champion, a two-division champion, uh, he'll be a part of our podcast moving forward for quite some time uh, unless Sean says, you know what, we're bored of him, which I doubt will ever be. But uh, not sure if you guys also watch the World Cup. As everyone knows, uh, I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm a soccer coach. I'm a director of my association here uh, where I live. Uh, so I did pay attention to the World Cup and paid very close attention to Conor McGregor being in attendance. And then Conor McGregor basically posting information that, you know, with him uh, and Vladimir Putin and who else was there, I'm not sure if you guys know, who's also in attendance, was Habib Nurmagomedov, who wasn't overly happy the fact that McGregor got to meet Putin. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, Michael Chiesa talking about how he almost died during his weight cut. That's something that's near and dear to my heart, not for Michael Chiesa. I'm just talking about well, yeah, Michael Chiesa for sure, but just weight cutting in general. Uh, that kind of stuff's got to stop. Korean Zombie, he's called out Frankie Edgar. Do you like this fight? Should Frankie Edgar accept? We'll go through the rankings at 145 to determine if that's a fair fight. Um, I messaged Sean Rossap a couple of days ago, maybe early last week, about uh, you know, are you enjoying this Brendan Schaub versus Dana White feud? Uh, hashtag Eskimo Brothers. We'll get to that in a moment. Of course, Cyborg versus Nunes which I'm sure we'll get uh, Sean Rossap probably losing his marbles again. Uh, and a lot more to discuss. Sean, where do you want to kick this thing off? 
Might as well jump right into the weekend of MMA. Bellator had a good show at, uh, in Rome. You, uh, Bellator 202 is all right. Michael McDonald, I put the betting lines at minus 300 for him breaking his hand. He did that. What stood out to you in Bellator besides, you know, Patricio Pitbull main eventing and another rematch and he wins. It wasn't a great fight. Julia Budd's fight wasn't a great one until her finish, but we did have two title fights. Yeah, the, the fact that Julia Bo was able to pull the trigger, right? It wasn't like her last fight. We were just like, you know, Lance Gibson, yourself, myself. We're like, what is she doing? Like, why isn't she pulling the trigger? What's going on? Um, the fact that she emerged victorious, was able to finish Noguera in the third round, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Alessio Sakara emerging victorious is a bit of a surprise to me, only because, I, I, you know, I always thought his days were done in mixed martial arts, that, you know, it doesn't take much for him. For his, for I mean, He's a great fighter, good fighter, excuse me, but can't take those punches to the head anymore. Well, he made quick work um, of his opponent, Jamie Sloan. So interesting to look at that. Uh, Valentin Moldovsky, he emerges victorious uh, as the first bout at Bellator 202. I was able to call a couple of his fights uh, at Ryzen, but that's his second victory uh, at Bellator. So he's been undefeated since leaving Ryzen. Doing pretty good. Um, he's a fatal protege. Uh, pretty impressed with him. Um, surprised Emily Ducati lost, or Ducati, however you want to say it. Uh, I thought she would emerge victorious. She pretty much got dominated for three rounds. Yeah. Right? Your thoughts on, on everything? Well, you know, you know, I'm a Gerald Harris guy. Yeah. He yeah. got stomped. And this was the day after he said that he was going to, he wanted to enter the Bellator welterweight tournament. But the, he told us this was his last fight at Bellator. So that was a little confusing to me. However, Amasov, man, he's on the radar now. If he wasn't before at 19-0... He is now, and the thing is, they had trouble getting him fights. Gerald Harris said, to hell with it, I'll fight him. Why not? So a lot of respect to him for doing that, but the Chris Honeycutt win, you know, they, he's been brought up. He wasn't a Bellator product from the start, and I talked about this on the, the post-show podcast I did this weekend, but he is a, a one of the guys that you know has that background that Bellator likes. He did well. Michael McDonald. I hope he, I wish he could stay healthy because that was an outstanding performance. He is a 27-year-old with the hands and bones of an 88-year-old with osteoporosis that got ran over by a tour bus. Like it was, it's bad. Julia Budd did well. Back did, on the on the Michael McDonald fight, we you know our our, our prayers go to Eduardo Dantes, right? I mean that's yeah. nasty. Oh, I know that what was it's horrifying. like. Yeah, I busted my ankle three times, both my ankles, not each, but in total three Twice times, both ankles. Yeah, so. So you know, you know, the minute you saw that roll. Now, neither of my three rolls happened that way. I, I rolled the opposite way, right? Where my, my, my toe or my, my, my ankles rolled this way as opposed to backwards. So, uh, man, I, I feel for Eduardo Dantes. I think the, big, the, most, the, the, the worst pain I've ever felt, and I've damaged pretty much every joint in my body uh, because of jiu-jitsu, in various submissions or sports like hockey and soccer, the worst pain was after my first ankle break, um, trying to take a shower the next morning and forgetting that I could simply sit on the tub, turn, and then stand up with my good leg. I decided to take my broken leg over and use the balance on that. Uh, that was the worst pain I'd ever felt seeing stars and nearly just nauseous and vomited in the tub. So I will say that yeah. despite the horrific injury, Michael McDonald's reaction to it I think is a classic TV moment for Bellator. He yeah, was man. concerned. He had just beat this man down, and I mean with a vengeance, and would be in line for a title shot right now if he hadn't broke his hand, and that's unfortunate. We Too also saw Alessio Sakara gain a big win. He was not a guy that I expected was going to go on a run after, after he got bounced from the UFC, and then I remember he injured his arm his first fight back, and that was in, like, Austria over a year later. He had lost four straight fights in the UFC, took a year off, came back, and hurt his arm. And since then, he's been on a run. He's four out of five in Bellator, and I think I think that, that Austrian show. But he's only fighting in Italy, but he, it's working for him. So it's perfect. He's a local guy, and, uh, yeah, yeah, just to keep fighting out there. But that Andre Koreshkov spinning back kick to the liver, oh, my God. Nasty. He didn't intend for it to be there. The guy turned into it, but it, it all worked out, and considering he wants in that Bellator tournament, I think that's as good as it possibly could have worked out for him, Joe. Yeah, I mean, you, when you pull off a finish like that, any, anyone that wants to get in this tournament, you definitely have to put on a performance worthy of, of Coker and the boys saying, yeah, you know what, 
this should be fun. We got a nice little highlight package of you. Put him in there. So uh, yeah, and, and the way he landed that, I mean, that was bleh, bleh. amazing. Yeah. Amazing. UFC Boise, that main event did not deliver like I thought it was going to. Very disappointing. Ivanov getting beaten by Dos Santos. It was it was the type of game Dos Santos needed to play, and he did it to perfection. Yeah. What, what did you? Th- I mean, you look at that with Junior being ranked number eight, and not many people knowing about Ivanov, right? Yeah. Has do you think Junior's skill set to finish opponents now has diminished to the point now he's unable to do it, or is you know Blagoy that good? that no one really knew about him until he finally came to the UFC and we're like, wait a second, this guy is damn good that even Junior Dos Santos can't finish him in five rounds. I do think Ivanov is that good, but Dos Santos hasn't finished anybody since 2013 and he's been finished three times himself since then. I thought that if, if Ivanov chucked and ducked, he stood a much better chance. Just get messy, start throwing some nasty overhands because you have to disrupt Junior Dos Santos's footwork. You have to disrupt his rhythm. You have to disrupt what he does, which is jab from the outside and throw combos together. And Ivanov just didn't do that. And now he's lost to Volkov and Junior, Junior Dos Santos, so it's going to take him quite a climb to get back anywhere near the top of the division. Because this was... UFC gave him a great opportunity. An outstanding opportunity. It may have been an opportunity for JDS as much as it was for Ivanov, you know, to get JDS back in the win column. But if you're Ivanov, this is the type of fight you want coming into the UFC. He didn't really start till round three. Yeah, right. It was and it was just a counter left hook that he was really that you got to assume that that's what they were working at AKA. Like they were working that left hook, counter left hook, nonstop, nonstop. And he all, like it, it, he almost nailed it a few times uh, whenever he did throw it in the earlier rounds. But it was one of those things where you know. Junior was able to figure out the distance much earlier. And, of course, he had a reach advantage as well, in my opinion. I think he had a reach advantage. I'm pretty sure he did. But he was able to figure out that distance to the point where every time Blagoy tried to throw that left hook, it just wasn't landing. And it seemed like that was, the, that was plan A from day one. And, you know, but when he put the pressure on, you know, Junior was on his bike. Sage Northcutt had a, a really nice come-from-behind win. You know what? I, I see this almost. I see him a lot like Anthony Pettis in the striking style and in the skill set. At least, not off of his back. But wrestling's probably never going to work for him. It's probably not ever going to be his strong suit. But you know what is his strong suit? Getting really aggressive, throwing some strikes, getting angry, and just getting really, really aggressive. And that worked out for him. And he creamed Zakatow. I like him. Creamed Zakatow. I loved. When Zach Atal was trying to gain wrist control and he stomped Atal's wrists down. Down. That's beautiful. That's technique, that man. That was nice. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about technique in a second with some of the stuff that happened here. <clears throat> Nico Price. Um, hmm. and, and we'll just go on about that. But I, I like Sage at 170. Uh, I know there's a rumor of him moving up to, to 185. I don't think he needs to do that. I think he should stay at 170. He's still young. He should be able to still cut the weight to 170. He's got no business being anywhere near 155. Um, but the fact that I, I'm very impressed with Sage development, um, I like your analogy that he's like Anthony Pettis. Uh, forget the wrestling. If he continues to stay with Team Alpha Male, he's going to get a lot of reps on the ground. It, if you notice when the guillotine attacks were on by Zach, he never panicked. That just probably means he's been in about a thousand guillotines in every single training camp leading up to these fights here when he's at Team Alpha Male because those guys are always slapping on guillotines. And when you're caught in them for that long, for that many times, you know how to get out or what, what different techniques you can use to get out of them. So I'm very impressed with Sage Northcutt's development, and he's just getting better. And he's so young, and who knows what the future holds for him. I know the UFC's always been heavy on him. I think they promoted him a little a tad too early. Um, but give him time. Give him time. I think he's doing pretty good. Chad Mendez did pretty good. He immediately just, boom, right where he left off. He's there. He's still got the finishing power. He got it done against Miles Jury. That's a really, really good win. That was awesome. That was really, really good. I couldn't be more impressed with Chad Mendez's performance. You can make the argument that the fight was stopped incorrectly. Because if you look at where the punches were landing. But that early in the fight, that much power, Chad Mendez looked really, really impressive. Definitely happy to see him return to the win column. Not overly happy that it happened with Miles Jury, who's someone I know very well. Uh, but that's just part of the fight game. Um, 
Chad Mendes was not ranked for a very long time in the UFC rankings, and today I look at the rankings and he's number seven. When you yeah. talk about it, he, he's jumped over a bunch of people that have been competing over well, the past. He was two. he was ineligible, so I mean, I, I yeah. kind of get that, but yeah, but he did he did beat a guy who was God. I think Jury was number twelve, and then fell out. The Completely, they just threw him out. Whoever votes for the right, well. When you got Elkins, Yair, Zabit, Lamas, and Volkanovski right there, yeah, Jesus man, what good a division! Division. That's a really good division, really good division. So your number, your number eleven ranked guy is eighteen and one, or like nineteen and one. Volkanovski, who also had a big win over Elkins, he didn't do. uh, I think that he relied a little bit too much on trying to go for a guillotine. I think he could have finished otherwise. But the fact that he outlasted Darren Elkins almost is more impressive to me than finishing Darren Elkins. Yeah, because he, Darren Elkins turns it up randomly in the third round. Yeah, I, I don't know if at this point Elkins can ever be finished again. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is just crazy. You what mentioned uh, Nico Price and Randy Brown. So Nico Price, when I see stuff like that, it takes me back to various things that I was taught. Um, and I'm talking way back when. I don't know about now, but way back when we were always taught, don't do this. Don't do that. It's not going to work. It's got low probability. Don't do it. I remember when Shogun won the pride tournaments with hammer fists. We would go back to the gym and we would be like, we were taught never to throw punches like that. We were taught to make sure we gain position, stabilize the position, and come down with your punches. Don't bother using hammer fists. And the minute Shogun won those tournaments with hammer fists, we started throwing them all the time on our training partners whenever we could. And Nico Price on his back. Now, the way he trapped um Randy Brown's head is one thing but we're always told don't throw anything off your back get out of your position do not throw anything off your back and my goodness the power that Nico had throwing them and the way they landed the sound and the thud and how Randy Brown's body went limp I was like those are the kind of moments that you know and I've been around this game for a long time we're talking two decades here when I see stuff like that in high level fights or somewhat high level fights especially in the UFC that is able to pull off a finish, I smile ear to ear because I'm like, you're taught never to do that. Don't do it. Get a better position, sweep, keep going for the leg lock, turn it over, blah, 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 blah. And then you see that and you're like, damn, I could have been working on that for 10 years. That's amazing. Good job, Nico. Thank you. If this finish happened and you were playing your kid at UFC Undisputed 3 or EA UFC 3 and this happened, you would be livid. You'd be like, "That, that doesn't happen. Yeah, Stop exactly. it. As my catch wrestling coach told me, uh, Price had that knee shield, so it prevented the stack and gave him that space. This is awesome. This is great. This is another thing that maybe we'll see some more of. We talk about it all the time. Anderson Silva with the front kick. John Jones with the oblique kick. Edson Barboza with the wheel kick. Travis Brown with those elbows up against the cage. Maybe Bisping. we'll see more. Bisping throwing the elbows from the guard and... You don't see a lot of that. You don't see a lot of people just chilling and guard up anymore. They're they're down. That used to be the thing. Either you're all the way up or you're all the way down. If you're in the middle, you're getting triangled in, in the guard. Now you got a whole new different set of stuff to worry about. I love it. I love it when people can't rely on something. I really like that. Yeah, Vinny Fernando says he would throw his controller at his TV. Yeah. That happened. Yeah, It'd no doubt. Listen. I, if, my, if I was playing with – I think you nailed it, Sean. If I was playing that with my son and he beat me with something like that, I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Exactly. I'm leaving. You play by yourself. I'm out of here. That's <laughs> crazy. Um, Kat Singano. She, she dashed Marion Renault's hopes. Yeah. Um, is it me or does, does Kat Singano look – I don't want to say different. But not, not – I, I, worse is a terrible word, but the more she fights – stranger she looks in terms of style well in in this fight i thought i mean it clearly it worked for marion renault had a straight line of one twos not good ones either no lateral movement from really anybody so kat zingano said all right well while you're on the outside i'll throw these rangy kicks when you get inside i will get underhooks and i will take you down and it kept working so, I mean, if that's the, the skill set that's going to beat Marion Renault, keep in mind, I, I just want to say this, an attack on the UFC rankings. By the way, you can see me break them down every week on FightfulSelect.com. Shout out to Alex Andreessen, sponsor level tier member. But 
Kat Zingano came in ranked ahead of Renault in this fight. That is fucking embarrassing. Pardon my language. Before this fight... Now, now? Okay, whatever. But even then, it's, it's one of those rare situations where I'm like, should this person be above the person they just beat? Ultimately, I think so. But it's a conversation to be had because Renault should, should be riding a, like, maybe a four or five fight winning streak going into this, depending on how you saw the Smith fight, and she beat Betchohea. <laughs> keep in mind, keep in mind, the Terry. last time that Kat Zingano had a win before this was 2014. September 2014. Since then, Marion Renault had five wins and a draw. Yeah. So the fact that they were that Zingano was ranked ahead pisses me off. Now, now today, I'm not nearly as bothered, but that that was a problem. However, Kat Zingano, if you become, if you get your your name mentioned in the title conversation at 135, it is automatically in the discussion at 145. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And That's she true. has offered to fight Cyber, or said she wanted to fight Cyber before. She has a win over Nunez. Oh, man. So that's a tough one. Marion Renault, really all she needs is one win to get right back in the picture. That's it. Just a win. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of Kat's post-fight interview? <laughs> a little aggressive. A little aggressive. I don't know. I don't know. I deal, I mean, maybe it's my age, but I deal with so many different human beings and characters in all walks of life. That if I ever came across somebody of that nature, I'd be like, this conversation's over. I gotta go. I posted I a meme go. about three years ago of Zingano after the Rousey fight, and I said, this is like me whenever my wife beats me <laughs> at something. Where <laughs> where, uh, she, where she's like, it was in, but it wasn't in, and I just, fuck, she fucking won, okay? She Good, good job. That's how I feel my wife beats me at anything. Um, my, my worst fear would be Katsugano versus Jessica. I, I wouldn't even watch the fight. I just wait for the post fight interview to be like, yeah. what are they saying? Like, it's hard enough as a promoter. Uh, I, I'm not going to name any names, but it's hard enough for a promoter when you've got quote unquote skilled fighters who are just challenging on the microphone, very challenging on the microphone. I know fighters, uh, at the grassroots level that just honestly, are so skilled they could probably win titles, but the promoters don't want to give them fights literally because they can't promote themselves. They can't do anything on the microphone. Yeah. Because their post-fight interviews, pre-fight interviews are virtually null and void and just out there. So when I, when I was watching um, the very beautiful Katzengano, it's a beautiful woman. She's gone through a lot. You know, especially being a mom now and stuff like that and, and what happened with her husband, the suicide and stuff like that. So it, it's been a tough go for her. Wow, that interview just was like, what? Okay. Bless you. Go on. Yep. Elsewhere on the show, some some rough decisions. Norman yeah. Madoff over Scoggins, Glenn over Bermudez. Uh, but th- there were some positives on this show as well. Jessica Aguilar got a win. She needed that win. Mark De La Rosa, prospect at flyweight. That's up there. And Liz Carmouche. I didn't... A lot of people were picking Jennifer Jennifer Maya. I didn't see how she was going to overcome Liz Carmouche, who is still somehow criminally underrated. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah. She's a gangster. Like a pure gangster. Uh, Jessica Aguilar emerges victorious as well. Uh, And she dominated pretty much her fight. So... But the judging decision in the uh, Syed Nurmagomedov fight, Justin Scoggins fight, I, I don't know. I mean, can you recall at any one point in time where Justin Scoggins got hurt in that fight? No. No. Can you recall Syed Nurmagomedov getting dropped a few times in that fight? Yeah. 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 And the split decision victory went to the guy that got dropped, and the guy that never and the guy that never got hurt in the fight really lost the fight. That's just you know. I don't know what the deal is in Idaho and how they, you know, they, they train their judges and stuff like that. But that's the kind of stuff that simply has to stop in mixed martial arts. It has to stop at every single commission where the UFC or, or that just in general has events. 
I mean, there's no way you're looking at any any one of those rounds and thinking to yourself, yeah, Nurmagomedov won 10-9. Like, he, he just didn't. He tried, but he didn't. And I know Justin was playing a lot of the counterfights, but he was landing and he's dropping his opponent. When, it, when rounds are that close, you're looking for one thing that can give one opponent 10 or one fighter 10, the other, the other party 9. That's it. You're looking for it. If the guy gets dropped, that, there it is. Now, if he comes back, if the other guy comes back and starts swinging the, the pendulum the other way, totally get it. The scale's moving left and right. I understand that. But if it comes down to five minutes have gone, what happened in that round? Who won that round? Who won those five minutes? It's a fight. You drop your opponent, you almost won the fight. Simple. Yes. Simple. But for some reason, these judges don't get it. They just, some of them don't get it. And the fact that two of them had no – I don't know. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Still, in this day and age, 2018, July 2018, this kind of stuff still goes on. Because it just it's unfortunate for Scoggins. And here's where I hope the UFC matchmaking team realizes that, you know what, despite the fact that this guy lost – he should be fighting someone higher than Nurmagomedov next time. Whatever internal rankings they have, Scoggins, they should look at Scoggins as the winner. Now, what they'll do is they'll turn that against them in, nego- in renegotiations when it, when it comes up to contract time. I get that. that that's, what, that's how they'll play that. But in reality, Scoggins won that fight. So as we went on the air, Bellator announced their 10-man welterweight tourney field. Okay. Amosov, who picked up that big win... John Fitch, Neiman Gracie, Andre Koreshkov, Lorenz Larkin, Douglas Lima, Lori McDonald, Michael Page, and let me hit you with this wild card, Ed Ruth. That is one hell of a wild card. If they promote that correctly, it shall be sickest. But they got to promote it correctly. Put some damn brackets on your website. Show lots of brackets during the promotion. Show lots of brackets during the broadcasts. Show exactly what it looks like because in North America, fans are conditioned and they love seeing brackets. Damn right. Right? They love seeing the advancement of the one fighter going from here to here and this one being grayed out. They love seeing it and the updates and how it all goes. Two brackets all eventually meet in the middle. That's what people love to see. If they aren't able to do that, then it's just silly. But they do it properly, that'll be a huge tournament. I mean, I'll, I'll watch every one of those fights for sure, no matter what. But it's going to be fantastic if they can just simply do it correctly. I mean, you take a look at all the World Cup stuff that went down, and FIFA's had it down pat for years. Yeah, It is all about the bracket system. It is all about the round robins. It is all about being seated. It is all about what is happening next. People automatically start looking ahead at potential matchups. They start looking at this country, has to beat this country, but if they do, they've got to play that country because there's a good chance that country is going to beat the country they're playing. It's just a, it's it's ridiculous. And that's why FIFA is so successful uh, at what they do, and that tournament gets monstrous ratings globally. So We are looking ahead to UFC Hamburg. It is this Sunday, so man, I'm going to be anchored to this desk Sunday UFC Hamburg in the afternoon. We have Impact Slammiversary at night, so that one's there. You have uh, some interesting names on this show. You have Marcin Tybura and Stefan Struve. You have Teixeira against uh, Corey Anderson. The main event is uh, Shogun versus Anthony Smith. And Anthony Smith spoke to James Lynch. We're about to play you a clip of the interview. He is not happy with Daniel Cormier overlooking him. Take a listen. Man, you, you know, I wasn't sure exactly where that would put me. Definitely in the top ten, for sure. Um, but you know, I, I don't know what's going on with Daniel Cormier, but you know, he's, he's been saying recently that he thinks that Shogun is next in line and completely just missing the fact that Shogun has to fight me. So I'm not sure what DC's problem is. I, he's smarter than that. You know what I mean? He, he, he's, he's much, he's an analyst. He knows what he's, he knows that anybody can lose at any point in time, but he's also smart enough to know that I'm more than capable of walking right through Shogun. He, he knows that that's a possibility. And, and, you know, regardless of how objectively you want to look at it, there's no one in the world that's, especially people that are that do this for a living and that analyze fights for a living, that, that can look at this fight and not know that that could happen. So for him to completely dismiss me, kind of, number one, pisses me off. But number two, it, it also puts me in a position where if you think Shogun is next in line, then 
I go in and I start Shogun. Now, what does that say? You know, like me and you are together now, bitch. You know, like yeah. that, that, that's me and you. You got to come back. You got to come down for something, you know, and, and he's obviously doesn't want the Gusset's invite. They've already done that once. You know, who else? Uh, there's a bunch of guys up there, but, you know, I'm a fresh face. So chances of me getting the fight with DC, pretty slim. But it, it definitely puts me in a position to, you know, maybe fight the winner of Glover and Corey Anderson or, or, you know, I, I'd imagine that Gustafson's probably going to be, he's going to beat Vulcan. So he's going to sit around and wait for a title shot. And I don't, I don't got time to wait. So uh, maybe the loser, you know, maybe Vulcan, you know, I think that that puts me right up there and maybe like a title eliminator, you know, a number one contender spot fight. Now, hearing those comments from DC, and, and does, does that kind of give you a little bit of a chip on your shoulder heading into this fight, like like a motivation? Just because I, I heard those comments, too, and I think people looking at this fight, you, you would have to be the favorite here, I would think. I mean, I, I, I would assume so, but, I'm you know, I haven't looked at the odds or, or anything. I'm not sure, but I just, you know, I, it does put a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because it's, you know, DC is one of the first guys that, that bitches and complains about being overlooked and, and people not taking him seriously. But he's the first person to dismiss people. So, like, you know, it's real easy to, to sit behind your desk and talk about how you're not respected and then on in the same damn sentence completely disrespect and, and, and look over somebody. So, I mean, he, and he'll look at this and he'll, you know, he'll ignore it and he won't even pretend like I exist. But, you know, regardless, DC knows that, that the Shogun fight isn't a gimme. You know, but what he's looking for is he wants a big fight with a big name. He's looking for money. You know, he's not he's not looking for challenges. If he wants challenges, you know, there, there's there's plenty of fights with challenges. I like what Smith is saying here. He should say it. I smell what he's cooking. You know what I remember about Anthony Smith? I remember him essentially, he didn't lose his way out of strike force because they ended, but lost his way out of the UFC, kind of lost his way out of victory even was able to land in Bellator and since then he is 12 and 2. He lost yeah. to Tiago Santos. He lost to I think Cesar Ferreira and he moved up. And he was like, "Okay, I'm getting a little bit older. He's still just 29. That's wild." Yeah. He's been fighting for a decade. A decade and he's still 29 years old and I think he is a dark horse in this division to be honest with you. He has the right kind of build and the right kind of skill set in this division, I think. You got to pay attention to this kid. This guy's a bad dude. I mean, what he did to Rashad Evans was somewhat expected. Maybe to some it wasn't, but this guy's a bad dude, man. If he wants to, I mean, this fight with Shogun is like he's, he's right. It's not a gimme, although he maybe there might be some gamemanship on his yeah. part. But um, you want Shogun Hua on your resume, you definitely do, and he can. I mean, the, the proper way to do it in his post-fight interview is to say Daniel Cormier wanted to fight Shogun Hua. Because he wanted him on his resume. Because it's another legend that he would defeat it. I just defeated the legend. Now you come take out this legend. Very simple. Right? Rock the mic. Right? This show features a lot of guys that kind of need to write the track. That have lost a couple in a row. That, you know, were once prospects. Not as big now like Emile Meek and Mark Jacasey. Mark Jacasey, even after losing two in a row, is a minus 175 favorite. One plus one fifty isn't enough for me to put five on it for his opponent, but you know anything can happen. I'll tell you what, plus one sixty five Corey Anderson against Glover Teixeira. I'll put five on it. Not me. I'm not touching really? that one. Um. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm not touching that one. That's got Glover all over it. Really? I, I yeah. think... I think Glover has getting old written all over him too. Yeah, yeah that's true. He's been around forever. Unfortunately, yes. that those visa issues, you know, prevented him from fighting in the UFC, which was kind of good, seeing as his teammate was Chuck Liddell at the time. Um, yeah, but, I, think, but yeah. I mean, that, that prevented him for a good what 
two, three years before that, too. Or I think more. It yeah, was a long, long time. Well, yeah, because Liddell lost the title in, what, like, 07? And was out of the title picture later that year. So, I mean, they yeah, were still... And uh, Glover didn't get to debut until 2012, so even years later. But, yeah, yeah I see what you been, mean. He could have had a nice run in that division back then, because that was when, obviously, when he was younger, he was in his prime. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's minus 200 on some sites. Okay, so I just, I just, I mean, I see what you're saying. You might put five on it for for Corey Anderson. I just don't think Corey Anderson is going to be able to deal uh, with Glover's power because once Glover, Glover's a fantastic striker, great timing, great execution, very precise when he strikes. Uh, as long as he keeps his chin down, uh, I don't think Corey's going to take him down to the ground. And I think it's just going to be a striking battle, and and Glover wins that, in my opinion. You got a three and zero, Justin Lede. Is it Lede or Ledette? Lede. I think it's Lede. He is a plus 102, which is almost a pick Yeah. against Alexander Rakic, I, I believe is how you pronounce it. I believe. Rakic is correct. Croatian. Yep. A hot dog. That one is, I don't want to say surprising to me, because, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess it kind of is surprising to me. Because while he had a good performance against Barroso, it wasn't the same type of performance that I, that we had heard about him having in Austria for years prior, where he's just creaming people and beating them in the first round. So even though that's a virtual pick this is also a couple of real good prospects and light heavyweight prospects at that. I got five yeah, on it. Or, or, or maybe did... Yeah, this isn't light heavyweight, so let yeah. move down. It is one of those things that this this division continues to it's it's you know at heavyweight we're starting to see the transformation of the stars and the the new bloods coming in there right we're starting to see it we've got some hype around some fighters with the exception of what happened in the co-main event uh, a week and a half ago Uh, that was just disturbing which by the way Engano did comment on what Dana White said Um, but Justin and Alexander have the opportunity to start mixing up that 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 bowl of names at light heavyweight because it doesn't take much a couple of wins and you're in the conversation you're in the conversation of okay you know what top 10 or top 15 let's see where you go from here it's you know you're a couple of wins away in a division that doesn't have that type of depth anymore and a lot of these guys are getting older Glover Teixeira is not getting any younger Marisha Hua is not getting any younger it's been around forever uh Anthony Smith with a win he'll be up there so a lot of stuff's going on here another at kind of headline fight on this show Stefan Struve coming off of two straight losses he's taking on Mar- Marcin Tibera and I think this is to stay relevant and stay in the top 15 because the loser is going to have three straight losses and the UFC likes to do this they'll they'll put together two guys like this in a division like this somebody's got to win yeah <laughs> very true so it does have to win. So, um, you know, if Stefan's getting his training in in Florida like he's supposed to, uh, he should be fine. But Tybura, I don't know, Tybura's still a bad man. You know, in my opinion, if you just look at the way this, this matchup is, uh, Tybura's a favorite for a reason. You know, I think he's, he'll be able to some way, somehow dismantle Stefan Struve. I mean, Stefan Struve, it's not like, I mean, do we, do we really expect all of a sudden Stefan Struve to come up with a jab? No, and he should. He should. Plus 205. I got five on it. Yeah, well, heavyweight, it's yeah. heavyweight and, fight. I definitely yeah. do. This is still the Stefan Struve that knocked out Stepe Miocic. Yep. And that there is something to be said about that. And yeah, he beat uh, Minotauro, and he's he's beaten some good guys. He's beaten some good grapplers. He's beaten some good strikers. I don't know how many people he's beaten that are really well rounded, except for Minotauro. But Minotauro was at the end of his road there. But we'll see. Also, we got the main event. Shogun, who Anthony Smith, this is a great opportunity for Anthony Smith. For Shogun, is an opportunity to maybe, maybe fight Daniel Cormier late in the year. Maybe. How do you think this goes? I think if Shogun wins, he gets the title shot. No ifs, ands, or buts. The champion wants it. The UFC will be like, yeah, you know what? We'll give it to you. It's like Dan Henderson versus uh, Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping became the champ. He did them a solid. Now you do me a solid. DC did whatever the UFC asked. Go on the, you know, he's a, he's an analyst. Come and do the Ultimate Fighter. He did the Ultimate Fighter uh, as part of the buildup to take on Stipe Miocic. They granted him the title shot. Now he's a two division champ. People love him now. 
You know, it seems that, you know, finally they're respecting Daniel Cormier, and he just wants to have that one guy on his record just to fight him. It's a risk, obviously. It's a fight. No matter what, it's a fight. But it's, it's a big risk, and I think it's a big risk considering Anthony Smith's range. He's yeah. got some good range, and there was a guy named John Jones who once uh, employed that range pretty, pretty well against Shogun Hua. Now, I'm not accusing Anthony Smith of being the fighter that John Jones is, but physically, physically I could see some similarities there. And keep in mind, Anthony Smith used to be a middleweight <laughs> Yeah. He's been middleweight. He has a 77 and a half inch reach, with the, which is a far cry from Jones's what 84. So that's yeah. that that's not the same. But as far as their build, I could see I could just see Anthony Smith backing up Shogun Hua and giving him all types of trouble. That being said, I could see Shogun Hua turning this into a really really messy fight, man. A really messy fight. Now, I just see body shots by Anthony Smith, Hua dropping down, and then, you know, Anthony just going nuts. Yeah. If Shogun wins, it's his fourth straight win, I think they should give him a title fight. He would be the most qualified. Now, Corey Anderson, John Vellante, even uh, Rodrigo Noguera don't scream out just, hey, yeah, title time. But, or Anthony Smith, but... I mean, the guy's earned it. It's hard for anybody to piece together four in a row in that division. Plus, I think it's a decent-sized fight. It'll do 300,000 buys, but for the UFC, that's profitable right now through the end where, of the year. Where's Anthony Smith in the top 15 rankings? He's not. Right? Yeah. He, he just and, debuted in it, so. Yeah, and we're just sitting there thinking to ourselves, this guy deserves to get a title shot. What do these rankings really mean? Not shit. Right? So we're, here we are. We're talking about it. And we both believe that you defeat Maritza Shogun Hua. You bypass. And who knows what number the UFC actually has him at. But according to some of this media here, despite he, him defeating you know, Rashad Evans, he's still not worthy of being in the top 15. I think he does. I mean, just look at the guy. Just look at how he fights. You, know, you, you don't generally rank on potential, but a lot of guys do. So... This is a guy that should be in the top 15 because I can go up and down this list right now and I can tell you there's guys there he'd beat. He could probably beat, in my opinion. Right? So, but it is one of those things where, you know, you defeat a legend in Shogun, you know, and this is the guy that, if Anthony is smart, he needs to continue to play this, use Daniel Daniel Cormier's trump card, of wanting to fight Shogun and continue to do it in every interview and understand that no matter how many t- interviews you do leading up to this fight, you bring up the topic all the time. You just keep bringing it up until it's ingrained in every single headline and every single MMA site or every single mainstream site that may be covering this fight that it's all about, I beat the guy that the champion wants to fight, you fight me now. Explain it, sell it, ask for the clothes, good night. Enough of what we think. Here's what the pros think. You got a, you know, he's a, he's a big dude for light heavyweight. He was a big dude for middleweight. He's a big dude for light heavyweight too. Um, Shogun's got to grind it out, you know. Like he's his style, just get in the fight and hurt the guy. Just keep going, take some shots, and just keep going, keep going. Although this guy hits hard, you know. Anthony Smith's got a lot of power, so um, um, I always hope that. When Shogun's fighting, we get to see one of the fights where he really shines, you know, and it's a grinding match uh, where he just, you know, gets hit and then takes over. That Shogun style is always entertaining to watch. Well, I'm going to go with Maurice Shogun, you know. I'm a big fan of him. He did uh, some amazing fights on his career, you know, and of course, I'm looking forward to see him fighting again. So let's see. And I'm going to go with him, of course. Uh, don't care about those guys. I'm a fan of both, right? Like Shogun, I've been watching my whole life or since I've been fighting. And then uh, Anthony Smith, you know, he, he looked really good against Rashad Evans. He's looked really good just in general. He's a big guy. He's a lot to deal with. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I, I'm going to go with just like, I'm going to go with Anthony Smith because I feel like he's got the youth. He's got the size. Um, and that guy, for some reason, he just always stays hungry. 
you know what I mean? And I think Shogun, he's like, he's got more knowledge. And I think that, you know, in deep waters, he knows every situation on how to survive. Um, but in, in this one, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, Smith just based off of youth, size and hunger. Oh, I feel like Anthony Smith is going to get the knockout. Most, first round, most likely. Like, that dude's good as hell. Yeah, I know I know enough about Smith. I just lost money on that. I definitely thought Rashad was going to win that fight. Sorry about the steering wheel, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, Anthony Smith's been, uh, he's been on a bit of a tear, eh? And he got, you know, he's going up in weight, so maybe he feels a little better, not as drained. He's a big boy. Um... You know, I think I think he's just like at that part of his career where he's kind of on, and it might be his time. So, um, yeah, I think he might, I think he might get it done. I mean, he's super aggressive, um, and look, he looked, uh, he looked unreal at light heavyweight. So, I think he'll get that one done. Uh, I man, Anthony Smith's a killer. Uh, after that, you know, his, his last few fights, I've, I'm, I'm sold on him. So I'm gonna go with him. That shot of Damian Brown. Had me in stitches. Before that, did you notice Luis Pena? Uh, yeah. He was not hovering on the earth. He was hovering somewhere else. If you yes. take a look at his eyes, his facial reaction, and his response, whoa. Not accusing, yeah. just hypothesizing that... Uh, Zigzags may have been somewhere on that bed. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you, there, there were a couple of, uh, or a few, ACB shows canceled. Yeah. What do you think that means for Russian MMA? The funny thing is, M1 has taken the slow and steady approach. They're still around. Meanwhile, you've got these other rather high-risk promotions throwing money around, and they're not around. Yeah, it's it's the... I don't know the full details behind what's going on with ACB. What I do know is a lot of promoters, heck, even any any company that tries to get into the mixed martial arts space, clothing, equipment, um, there is there's, they hemorrhage money, right? It's just not a good business plan. You any business that you build, especially in the mixed martial arts world, has to be slow and steady. Has to have a good business plan, and you've got to be extremely conservative with your budgets. You can't sit there and think, "Yep, I'm going to get fifteen thousand because I'm putting on this guy from that part of the city versus that guy from that part of the city, and they're going to sell seven thousand tickets each." Nope, nope. Got to build it slow, build it correctly. Oh, we're going to get production trucks here. We're going to do it globally. We're going to get pay per view. Look, man, if you don't have big names on your card or guys that can sell tickets, that can build in your area, it ain't going to happen. ACB was doing pretty good. I mean, if you saw that production quality, and I'm assuming it wasn't cheap, Sean. Yeah. I, it was not cheap. And we saw a lot of people. I mean, KSW puts on a fantastic show. Right? Yeah. But know You've your been market. been around for a long time, too. Yeah. Know your market. Know what sells. Know what's going to be. I mean, you've got to take a look at different um, revenue generating streams. Um, you know, do I have the book? I've got it up here. Actually, I do have it on a spreadsheet. Never mind. Um, it's not easy to do. And then when I see some of these events that look really, really good, really, really big, I'm like, God, I hope your 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 long term plans are sustainable. Because what are you paying fighters? Because that's ooh, okay. I think you might see the WCFAs of the world kind of emerge in that area. You've got Frodo Kospelayev over there fighting, doing that. So a name like that over there, he's a guy that some people will know, some people will remember. Also weird that he never found his way back over, but Bellator really tugged him around quite a bit. That was weird. Speaking of Russia, McGregor showed up at the World Cup and took a photograph with Putin. I get it. McGregor's a polarizing guy, but this is just one of those things. If I were him, I'd stay clear of politics. That That's a way to get go-away heat, as we call it. Uh, Brock Lesnar right now. 
he is getting cheers for the idea of them stripping him of the WWE title in right now, which means they don't want to watch him wrestle and lose it. The fans want him to just not have the title and then say later, go away. I think that getting involved too heavily in politics like this is a way to get go away heat. And not to say that he's in danger of that right now, but way down the line he could be. I don't know. There's, there's a couple things I want to talk about this. First things first, I mean, what he did, uh, I mean, I, I don't... It's cool, I guess, if you meet Putin. Not sure I'd be posting a pic of it, because I don't think he's beloved around the world. He's not exactly loved. Uh, the, 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 I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about Putin, and that guy there is not one guy you want to mess with. Um, so, kudos to Connor for doing it, but you got to be careful, like you said, getting involved with politics. Um, but realistically, spe- I mean, I, I'd be more insulted if I was Nurmagomedov because I understand a lot of the Russian culture, especially when I go down to Japan and I talk to, to Shingo, who's the matchmaker, one of the, the operations guys for Japan, teaching me a lot about the Japanese culture. I mean, our breakfast is, Sean, I told you before, like our, our breakfast, lunches and dinners, whenever we get a chance to sit with him, I mean, my mouth is just shut. And I'm just absorbing and listening uh, to learn as much about the culture as I can. And then we, you know, at, at times we get some of the uh, the Russian translators that join us, and then they give us their thoughts on what happens back home in Mother Russia. We also have some of Krokop's guys that sit down with us from the Croatian side. I've got a lot of Croatian friends here. Get to hear how things operate outside of North America. Right, because Canada works differently than what happens in the states, and then within the fifty states, things are different in all parts of the states. So to learn more about certain cultures, I can tell you this: Russia, you don't mess around, man. Just ask some of those British soccer fans, the English soccer fans. I thought it was a good idea to jump on the cop cars when they were celebrating uh, one of English, one of England's victories. Those dudes got a beat down. You don't do that in Russia. Russia, they don't mess around. So with with McGregor doing that, or sorry, with Norma Gomedov seeing that McGregor is with Putin. It's like, because the Russians stick together, man. They're very, they love Mother Russia. They stick together. So Nurmagomedov may have looked at that and said, you know what? This might be from Kazakhstan. There's an insult there. Yeah. Bit of an insult. But it's a bit of an insulting scenario. Like, why is this guy being invited? If he was invited, right? Let's not, be, let's not kid ourselves. We don't know if he was a guest of Putin. Yeah. I don't he think may have he just, was. He may have just been... Uh, there to watch the World Cup because, you know, it's Conor McGregor. And then people were like, listen, man, you want to meet Putin? Or Putin wants to meet you? Or whatever. Okay? We don't know for a fact that he was invited by Putin. I don't, oh, thing, I don't, I don't think he was. I think it was a chance encounter. Maybe one yeah. down the other one was there. Uh, and then you I, play I just, it off that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't think he was a guest of no. of anything. Like Now, the other thing about Conor McGregor, and I, I was, I've been having this conversation with a lot of my friends that are mixed martial arts fans. There's a there's a sentiment that I think is growing that people are like, who cares where this guy is at? I don't care about Conor McGregor. I don't even want to see him fight anymore. Like, why do people care? And I'm starting to think, yeah, you know what? You might be right. Dude's never defended a UFC title. He did the money fight. Yeah. Made a boatload of money and hasn't done anything since. Like, he... He, the guy's a fighter. He's a mixed martial artist. He doesn't fight. We're talking about MMA. Why do we keep talking about this guy? You see, you feel, you feel where I'm going with that? Yeah, I kind of get it. Yeah, like people don't. Where I'm from, they start to say, "Who cares?" Brendan Schaub, Dana White. <laughs> they go back and forth. Now, this has all started years ago, and Brendan Schaub was in the right. Brendan Schaub said. UFC's costing me sponsorship money. Dana White appeared, I think it was on Rogan's show, and said, well, listen to these sponsors. Well, I don't know if maybe Dana White didn't know enough about one of his his fighters who was a middle-of-the-road fighter. But, and you can hate Brendan Schaub as a personality. I don't give a shit, guys. I don't care. He's successful at what he does. Stand-up comedy, podcast hosting, breaking stuff down, TV personality, he is successful at those things and was to a much even lesser degree then. And he brought in his info to Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan verified all of it. Joe Rogan's not going to go on his show and say, oh yeah, that's true. He's, he verified it. So I'm sure Dana White didn't like getting one up there. And 
I, I think that even Brendan Schaub was talking about Gokhan Saki's performance. That's what he was, yeah. He was talking Israel. about Israel. Yeah, and Israel Adesanya took that to heart. Now keep in mind, Israel Adesanya's had a lot more than two, three MMA fights. And he took exception to Brendan Schaub saying some of these kickboxers come over and they're not all that. They aren't well-rounded. And then Dana White went off the deep end. And then, boy, did it get real. Yeah. Uh, and, and in reading what Brendan wrote, the, the various – the two, those two posts that were pretty, you know, not well-written, but written well enough to go, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And the, the Eskimo brothers comment – silence Dana White pretty quickly. Um, it's interesting to note that as as fighters, as people, and remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who's, whomever's tuned in live right now, live chat, top right, top right of your screen, or if you're listening later, later, there's layers to society, much, much of which many of us don't know how they operate. Many of us have heard of them, but we don't necessarily know how they operate. And there's layers to all this, Okay. Uh, it, it generally can start off with a fighter once they realize that, you know, Dana White, I don't need you anymore. I don't work for you anymore. I've now become successful in my own right. Now I can speak my mind because beforehand I couldn't speak my mind. You were technically my boss. I needed to get paid, blah, blah, blah. But once people end up realizing I don't need you anymore and they're confident enough, they're going to start speaking out. And then when you get guys or girls that can intelligently speak their minds it can get pretty ugly for Dana White, very ugly. But Dana White is also a guy you don't want to mess with. You know, um, you know, he, he didn't get to where he was at. I mean, just look at the stories about him and what happened in Boston, right? And the Boston mob and stuff like that. Like this, this is this is not a guy that you know you want to mess with. But some guys aren't afraid. Some guys are going to speak their mind, and then when they do it, especially with that Eskimo brothers comment. And knowing that Dana oh, White boy, yeah. is married, Dana White's a married man, and you come out and say something like Eskimo Brothers, if you don't know what Eskimo Brothers is, ladies and gentlemen, it just means you both slept uh, at the same time, but you you basically slept with the same woman. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Get re- and then I think the last thing was hashtag final warning. Like... That that's just like I'm about to expose you, Dana White. You need to be careful. And yeah. So yes, Kyler, Dana is married. Yes. Right to the Italian lady. He is. Yeah. Michael Chiesa thought he was going to die during his weight cut. Is dying worth a fight? Is dying worth fifty to a hundred grand? Nope, not to me. Maybe and there there are some people who are living real fucking bad. Way worse than me, and they may say to me, it is. Here's the thing. To Michael Chiesa, it shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, this whole, I almost died, or these guys are suffering that much to make weight. I mean, there's going to have to come a time, in my opinion, when Andy Foster continues to champion. Uh, Andy Foster is the, for those who don't know, he's the uh, the state athletic commissioner for California, who's been you know, championing this hydration test for all fighters and all boxers, which in essence will pretty much um i'm using surface level commentary here you know scientifically prove that um this is the most a fighter can lose this is the most a fighter can gain back based on his body type therefore he belongs in this division here so if the commissions are there to sanction and regulate combat sports they should sanction and regulate where a fighter should be based on a scientific test which is the hydration test Therefore, a guy like Michael Chiesa perhaps should never have been fighting at 155 pounds. And as he gets older, it's much more difficult to cut the weight. And the fact that he almost died, quote-unquote, he says he almost died cutting the weight, says a lot about where he should be competing. Right? There's studies that are out there now that talk about weight cutting and what it does to, to, to the human body, long-term kidney damage, potential liver damage. Holy God, it's bad enough that you're fighting it's bad enough that you're not playing ping pong. It's bad enough that you are getting shin bones and wrapped hands thrown at your skull. Okay, their hands are wrapped not for the protection of your face or your skull. They're protected of the hand that has many small bones so they don't break. 
That's what it's there for. So the safe is, or the sport is as dangerous as is. And these fighters are now cutting weight. And Sean has talked about it. I've talked about it. Where the fluid around the brain does not catch up to the fluid in the body when you're recovering after a weight cut. So the concussion protocol perhaps needs to change as well. So this kind of stuff has to ha- has to stop because you know it's and we've seen people die from weight cuts. Maybe not in the UFC, but it, and you see some of the videos that are out there of of cornermen still forcing their guys to cut the weight. Like, come on, man, it's 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 crazy out there, but. Right now, this is where it's at. I mean, if I had the opportunity to make that change, I would definitely make it. I'd be like, hydration test for every fighter. You want to fight in, in the province of Ontario? I want to see your hydration test. Yeah, definitely. Edgar, Korean Zombie, Cyborg Nunez, potential fights this fall or winter. I like them both. If Korean Zombie's going to be ranked up there with the big boys, make him fight the big boys. Because I don't think he should be ranked up there with the big boys. And if he can... If he can beat Frankie Edgar, he deserves it. Well, who do you put Frankie Edgar up against now, though, right? And that's a fight he has never had. Boy, yeah. he, I don't know if he's had a fight like that. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I think it's a fantastic fight. It's just that I'm looking up and down the rankings with, with Korean Zombie at number nine and Frankie at number three. Uh, you know, Frankie's already fought Ortega, lost. He's already fought Aldo twice, lost. He's already beat Jeremy Stevens. He's fought Cub Swanson twice. He hasn't fought Josh Emmett. He's already fought uh, Chad Mendez. He hasn't fought Bektik. So Korean Zombie's right there. Why not? And Korean Zombie's got a better name, bigger name than Bektik and Josh Emmett. So Zombie, Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar could headline a fight night. Nunez, Cyborg. I like it. You know, Cyborg saying, one more fight on my deal and then maybe I'm out. Yeah, okay, go play soccer with Jose Aldo. Let me know how that works out for you. But if you're the UFC and you hear that, one, if I'm the UFC, I ain't that keen on dealing with her. For one, not, not her. Her management. Yeah. Her management. Her management and her boyfriend are both very difficult to deal with. And it, Cyborg has at times, too. Because, I mean, let's look back. I mean, they wanted her to fight Rousey at the Staples Center. That fight couldn't get made. She asked for her release. They paid her while she was released. Then she was like, 135. Then she's like, well, maybe more like 140. Then she was like, I'm going to die if I make 140. Well, you don't want her to fight at 140 if she's going to die. So they do 145. It is a celebrity division. Then she can't compete in the first fight, okay? Well, shit, man. Shit. (laughs) Then the woman who wins the title isn't going to fight at 145. Well, okay. I think Nunez stands as good a chance as anybody at beating Cyborg. That being said, I, you know, I'm, I'm putting Cyborg at a healthy minus 200 on this one. And maybe even a little bit more. Maybe a minus 220, personally. But if Nunez wins, you know what you can do? Wash your hands of that division. See ya. And there are still going to be weirdos out there. It's not right. They need a 145. No, they don't. No, they don't. They do not need a women's 145-pound division. They need They need somebody to beat Cyborg. That's what they need. Yeah. They need somebody else to have the perception of being the greatest women's fighter of all time. That's what they need. And Megumi Fuji isn't walking through that door. She ain't nope. coming back. You don't have that option now. Yeah, just looking at the women's featherweight rankings on UFC.com and lack thereof. There are no rankings for the women's featherweight division on UFC.com. It just goes to show you that this is a division where the best woman in the world is the champion, but there are no rankings that display who she could potentially fight against. It's a division that is quiet. It's a division that only people within the mixed martial arts bubble speak of. And she's a champion that many people know of, but just don't know who she's going to fight next. I think with the Amanda Nunes fight, Amanda Nunes could pull this off. I really think she could pull this off with a smart game plan. You just got to be careful with the power that Cyborg brings to the octagon. Um, With Amanda Nunes, the best thing to do is if you can nullify that power, get this fight down to the ground, different story altogether. It just seems that no one can, can keep 
cyborg down on the mat. Um, although I do, I will say that when when um, um, oh my goodness, I'm just drawing a blank. Or Kat Zagano says she wants to fight Amanda Nunes again. Uh, no, not no. yet. You got to get more no. wins than that. You can't just come right. off of three straight losses in four years and then just get you a title fight. It doesn't work like that. I mean, it does for some people, like Brock Lesnar, but. But, I mean, Katzengano's not selling a million pay-per-view buys in a year where... I'm going to look at the, the, the numbers, yeah. but I don't think they've cracked 400. That's crazy. It's still, still to this day, when I, when I hear people talking about the pay-per-view numbers are in the 300s, if it's good. It's, it, it blows my mind. I came from a time when every pay-per-view was in, was in the 750s. We, we would talk about, is this one going to break 1 million? That's what we would talk about. The, you know, the last one million was Rousey Nunez in 2016. Yeah, you know. Other, other, uh, than, other than an outlier like John Jones Cormier, Bisping GSP, they never crack 300. This time they did with Miocic Cormier. They got to like 375 to 395, I believe. Yeah, it's 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 just goes to show you. I don't know. You know what? I don't want to go on that ranch on. Just goes to show you where the sport is nowadays. Remember. I will say this, Sean Rossap. Canada, for a very long time, a very long time, was arguably the number one pay-per-view buying country for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yeah. I'll just say that. Definitely not anymore. So, we got last week our most watched Holy Smokes MMA episode ever. I want to thank you guys. Your word of mouth really, really helps, and I want to thank you guys for that. If you all don't mind, just go on Twitter and say, I liked this. I liked when you all broke down this. I liked this segment. That way we can retweet it and make it look like people like us, for the love of God. Till next time, guys, follow him at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.